This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Got a special one here today, Garrett Wall from Gunworks. And we're going to cover all the stuff that Gunworks has been up to, but I'm really looking forward to dialing in because Garrett went on a successful dull sheep hunt in the Yukon. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to hearing the stories and so forth from that. How are you doing today, Garrett? Doing great, Mark. Uh, excited to be here this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Out there in sunny Cody this time of year? Man, you know what? It's been like uh, we got an extra two months of fall. It was 62 over the weekend, which doesn't happen in Cody in November. So no complaints on this side. You may have just jinxed it, but we'll take it. Wow, 62 out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I've ever been there when it's been 62. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So how's your, how's your before we dig into the, the Yukon Dull Sheep Hunt, how's your fall been going otherwise? It's been good. It's been really good, actually. I didn't get to pull the trigger for myself as much, but mm-hmm. you know what? I think the older I get, the more, uh, the less that's important. And, and getting out, uh, we, we lease a small ranch, Mark, over in uh, north central Wyoming, and we hunt some deer and antelope and elk with employees. We take a group of employees and chase antelope and deer. We've got this, you know, this place to ourselves where we can go and take new equipment. We can expose our employees uh, that don't get out as much to, to some of our, our different tools, and they get to they get to see the things they work on every day in action. And so it's a lot of fun. I got my dad talked into cashing in his Wyoming elk points this year. I think I sent you the photo a couple weeks ago, and he, he killed that bull in Wyoming this year. Don't know how many more elk hunts he has left in the tank. You know, none of us are getting any younger. Yeah. And so I've been, I've been getting to do a bunch of that this fall, and it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I've seen the Gunworks guys have uh, had a heck of a year going so far. And I know I haven't, yeah. I haven't, we haven't talked on a, on a podcast. How's the move been into the new office building and everything out there? It's really good. It, it's really good. You know, when I started in 11, 
Um, you know, we were in that small shop. I think you drove by it a couple times down in Burlington. Yep. Um, grew out of that a little bit. And as we grew without a master plan, you start to pick up a, a little lease here mm. and some, some space over there. And so you've been out here to Cody a few times where we've had Revic on one side of town and ops on the other and production on the other. And then fast forward to the July 2020 when we got to move into this this new building and now everybody is under one roof. And I think that the speed of our business has increased the collaboration, the communication, you know, remote works in a lot of cases, but when everybody's under one roof, the, the culture, the, it, it's just different. It, uh, we love inviting uh, customers and clients and future customers out to our facility. We've got a little tour set up for them in a pro shop where they can kind of come in and, and just see a little more about what goes on uh, here at, here at Gunworks. So it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the efficiencies of having everybody un, under one roof are uh, unmatched, really. And you guys grew right. so fast out of everything over there. It's it's nice to see you guys move into a hopefully a building yeah. that can that can house you for a while. But the way you guys are growing, you never know. That's right. Well, let's uh, talk about some of the products you guys have have rolled out as of as of late. The, like the Elevate Bipod, I've started to use that in the field, which I've used it all fall. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm one that like, when I get locked into something, I'm old school, right? Like don't change anything for me. Like I like the, I like the simplicity. I don't like the changes. So I'm like, I got it. And I'm like, man, I don't, I just don't know until I used it the first time in the field and had to do an infield adjustment. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm never leaving home without it. It's amazing. I don't want anything else. I, I haven't moved my old one out of the gun case ever since. Right. The, the ability to change in the field like that on just a holy smokes, the animals moving. I got to adjust. All I got to do is with my left hand, I can adjust anything, right? Easy on off. Like I, I I love the whole design behind it. Awesome. Awesome. No, we appreciate that. No, the, as you know, you've worked with Aaron closely enough the last, you know, decade or so, you know, he's always up to kind of tweaking this or improving that, you know, and the shooting, uh, accessories or support accessories has been an area, you know, we're, we've got a few, uh, tripods going on. We've got that connection. So like your magnets and climber, your climber is probably old enough that, that it doesn't have this escutcheon or this hardware on it now, which means we probably ought to get in and get mm-hmm. it, get it sorted. But we can, you buy a climber today and it'll come with some hardware where you can attach an arca rail on the bottom of that stock. And so you could shoot off a any arc ahead tripod for that matter. The Magnus has had it for a little while. And then you talk about that bipod. Um, that was a project the guys worked on for a little while. We got a lot of good feedback this fall from, uh, you know, where it could even go a little better. And the guys are, are working on a, a couple things there for, for some improvements, but, you know, getting lighter, getting taller, mm-hmm. getting more, more flexible in, in those shooting situations, I think is something we've, we've been wanting to do for a little while. So, well, I've got a, a big one that I'm working on for the spring of 25, and that is to go to Nepal for a blue sheep and tar. Um, pretty wow. close to having all the dates and everything. So that was one that like, I wanted to, to pick your brain on doing a specialty build, mm-hmm. knowing that is just mm-hmm. the mother of all buck kickers, right? Like you're going to be up sure. at 14 to 16,000 feet. It's just, I mean, it's just hiking. You're going to carry your gun. Yeah. And it's most likely like, we're going to talk a lot about your sheep hunt today, right? When it comes down to a sheep hunt, it doesn't matter if it's North America based or international, 
you probably are only going to get one shot and it's not going to be the ideal, just all set up 200 yards. He's walking broadside with no idea you're there, right? It's going to be probably a cross yeah. Canyon, 780 yards through a 40 mile Ooh. an hour crosswind. So, I mean, something just brutal is what I want to prepare right. for. So when, and, and we don't have to talk about this today, but when I, I want to, I want to build something specific just for that and then put the time yeah. in behind it to make sure I know it inside and out and feel comfortable in any situation with it. No, absolutely. If I'm remembering a dinner we were at years ago, and you talking about a hunt, and I, I thought it was Nepal, maybe it was somewhere else, but, mm-hmm. but just gas you and your cameraman. I mean, it was it, everything you had. Was that was that Nepal? So or was that somewhere else? That was somewhere else. It was a blue sheep. That was a blue sheep in northern Pakistan. Oh, yep. So same okay. thing. I'm, okay. I want to get the blue sheep in uh, Nepal, and okay. I, I can tell you this with confidence because it'd be the only time somebody has ever filmed a successful blue sheep hunt in Nepal and Pakistan. And I can say that because I'm the I'm the only one that's ever filmed it in Pakistan so far. So as long as long as nobody else has gone there, I can say by the time I add this on, nobody else has done it in both spots. Oh man! But I know wow. it's one of those things that's mentally like when I went when I went on the blue sheep hunt in Pakistan, I knew it was going to be bad, but I hadn't lived it yet. So now I've lived sure. it, and I know exactly what to expect. Probably a little bit worse in Nepal. And it's one of those things. I just made the decision. I turned forty this year, right? I'm going to do it now. I don't want to wait another ten years and be fifty. I want the, the knees are sore all the time. I just want to. I just want to go and do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk about your Dell sheep hunt. How how long had you had this one planned for? Jeez, you know this is a this is quite this quite the story. I reached out to Ryan Watford and I said, "Hey, look, I don't know that I have." This was in 2017. I think I reached out. Uh, late 2017, early 2018. I said, Ryan, I don't know that I'm, I've been bitten by the sheep, sheep bug per se. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a thing, right? Oh, yeah. But, but I, but I do, I do need to chase one. Like I, I just, as a, a love doing what we do and loving the outdoors and, and, and the, the products we build, I have to go try one. Doll sheep being probably at the time the most affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott with Ryan, he said, all right, that's the plan. We're going to do this, 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 this. Uh, you're going to line it early August, 2020. Um, it's going to be great. Here you go. So a couple of years ahead, which I, you know, I like prepare for a couple things, get some finances in order. And so obviously lo and behold, 2020 rolls around and, and not many people get into, uh, Canada. So for both 20 and 21 and, you know, Berger and your team over there, at WGA, they said, Hey, look, we're basically just tearing these pages out of the book, just sliding everybody back. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, and there was a couple of people that wanted a jockey. It wasn't always as easy if, if you had a big hunt the next year that you couldn't move, then you, you leapfrogged a little bit. But n- needless to say, uh, they were going to push it back. And then tw- I lost 20 and 21. I had another commitment in 22 around the same time. So I said, hey, guys, I got to push to 23. Uh, Jason was very accommodating. So we pushed to um, August 1, basically, of 2023. So you figure from the end of 17, early 18 to August 1st, 2023, that's that's quite the, the time to prepare, you know, both mentally and, uh, and especially with some of the changes that the, the, the species went through in terms of tag availability, yep. pricing for that tag. You know, a lot went on in those five years. Yep, for sure. For sure. Well, you should have been in really good shape by the time you actually got there. <laughs> that makes <laughs> the three years. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have any excuses that way. That's for sure. That's funny. That's funny. So... Had you been on a sheep hunt before? I had only been on one sheep hunt prior. Uh, Aaron, you guys lined up Aaron uh, to hunt that 
uh, that stone in about 2017 mm-hmm. in BC. Um, you guys helped him set that up and he, you know, we like to obviously hunt with the camera and kind of very similar to what, you know, what you're doing, trying to document yep. you know, your adventures in the field. And Aaron lined up with them. There was a mountain goat combo. And so we lined it up where I would have a mountain goat tag in my pocket. Aaron would have the sheet tag in his pocket. And then we would just kind of film uh, back and forth. Now, I don't think he had any um, belief that we would actually chase a mountain goat. I think mm-hmm. that was more of like the carrot to get me to grab a camera and <laughs> uh-huh. go follow him around in BC for a little. But it worked. And it worked. Then, got you, you know, there. So 2000, yeah, and it, it worked. And so, yeah, that was my first experience and it was awesome like it was i mean it was uh you know commercial flights the one hour cessna onto the you know the the pond it was a 12-hour horse ride taking 15 a pack string of 15 horses way up this beautiful basin and crossing grizzly bear tracks and just i mean it was if you if you think about a sheep hunt in your head that stone sheep with errands is, is about what i would have expected it was beautiful and it was you know and it was an awesome experience so and what, what was your, after that, was it like, okay, this is something I want to try. It's something I want to do once myself. What, what was your mindset after doing that one? Yeah. You know, that was probably, that was probably kind of the nudge that said, okay, you know, you're not really tough enough to do this, but you probably better try it once. And so, you know, you better, you better get working on, um, you know, the logistics to do this. Yep. So that probably was the nudge to go get a shot again. You know, the, the, the sheep, that species, the, the, the pricing is, um, you know, those tag prices, it can be prohibitive for so many folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, myself included. And so, you know, strategizing, planning early, you know, playing the points game and all those things. I think it, it take, you don't just get to decide tomorrow you want to start hunting sheep and then, and make it a reality. Even if, you have unlimited funds still a lot of these good places are booked so far out that it, there's some planning involved to make this come together. Yeah. Like you're, I, you hunted a, uh, Yukon peak outfitters in the Yukon and I know right now they're booked into 26. So think about that. We're just at in 23, they're booking into 26 and it's really because wow. they don't want to take any more past that. Just, I mean, the world's a crazy, sure. the world's a crazy place nowadays. You don't know what's going on three years from now, but like, the, yep. the good places they do book up far in advance of, you know, for the North Country, and then and with just a, a plug here on the tag side, right? You're you just need to get applied in the lower forty eight for sheep. You just got Absolutely. you just got to get your name in the hat and just just keep at it to get it because those are the obviously the most affordable sheep and and most attainable for a lot, and it just takes a a lot of time in those lottery systems to get it. Absolutely. So before this. Knowing you're going physically, what did you start to prayer, prepare for? You know what? Uh, we've got a little, we built a little gym here um, on the, uh, at, at, at HQ. So we've got a little, and I don't live terribly far from our, our shop here. So uh, like, honestly, I come in every morning for 45 minutes before work and, and work out. Now, Aaron would, you know, laugh and give me a hard time. And he, he claims that, that, you know, the pink weights and downstairs are the only ones that get used because I'm the one using them. But, <laughs> but in, but I, you know, the, I hit the rower and the treadmill and the, the stair stepper. And, you know, I felt like I wanted my legs and my lungs, you know, to, to be able to handle anything. And I was, I was pretty diligent. I know if you saw me, you wouldn't believe that I, I did it, but I, I did pretty good for the, 
two and a half, three years prior. Um, and then I've carried it on since, you know, mm-hmm. it's good to make those habits, but, uh, no, I, uh, I put some time in at, at the, at the gym. Now getting a 45 pound pack on and getting some elevation and getting out of some temperature, you know, that, that's a cherry on top that I think any, everybody needs to add to just going to a, a comfortable, you know, 68 degree, you know, workout environment. Yep. So, yep. That was, that was kind of what I, what I put in. So. And how did you feel for your prep going there? Did you feel like I'm I'm set for it? You know, physically, because so the the one thing I'm comparing against is you know Aaron's uh, sheep sheep hunting BC, uh-huh. and so I assumed okay if I have to go repeat that right if we've got to park the horses at the bottom of here and get to the top of there and do 2,500 you know feed this day or that I felt you know what I I can do it now if we get loaded down with 85 or 90 pounds I didn't you know, train with that simulation, you know, a bunch. And that's just, it kind of, it kind of is what it is. Sometimes you just got to grind that out. But I actually, from the physical standpoint, I felt pretty good, but I'll tell you, Mark, I, you've known me long enough, you know, it's hard to get away from the office for two weeks to get unplugged. And, you know, we're a, we're a growing company, which is code for, Gosh, there is, we go in a lot of directions and we start and stop here and, yep. and do different things. And it's just hard. It's just hard for me to be away um, that long, you know, in my head. And so, like Aaron says, well, go have fun, shut your phone off, shut, don't, don't turn on your inreach. But for me personally, that is, uh, that can be a little tricky, you know, what's going on back at the office. So yep. the mental part of it, as I learned on that hunt, was, gosh. Boy, it can be as much as the physical element. So at what point, and this is a funny one I've talked about a couple of times, uh, dad and I went hunting in BC two years ago for stone sheep. Um, and dad was 73 at the time. And it was just a brute. Looking back now, it was, it was, it was a bad deal, right? He's 73, but in great shape for 73. It's a backpack sure. hunt. It was probably, yeah. it was like right at that limit for him, right? Like if I look back now, I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't do that with him. Now he did it like a champ through the whole thing. Um, but it was probably just a a little bit too much, but on that hunt, the guy, the guide we had up in BC Dawson, he, he looked at me, it was like almost the end of day two. It wasn't arrival day. It was hunt day two. He looked at me and he goes, you're finally here. And I'm like, for a second, I'm like, man, I'm, what do you mean? I've been here three days. I've been hiking behind you for three days. Like I left part of me back there, but I've been here. And he goes, no, mentally you're here. You've left, uh-huh. you've left, you've left your world behind. You realize there's uh-huh. nothing, there's nothing you can do while you're here. Right. Yep. And he goes, it varies on when he goes, I get to see it with everybody who gets dropped off here. The only way you're going to communicate with the outside is a sat phone call or an inreach. And yep. You lost signal on the float plane coming here on your cell phone. You you sent that last text or email or read the last news article, whatever it was, and you got here and you had stuff on your mind. Like you're always yep. I, like you're probably like me. I already have stuff I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I have stuff I what I know I'm gonna do on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this weekend. I've already it's already just sitting there in the mind. Yep. And when you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere and all you've got is a sat phone or an inreach, like you've got that buildup, you like you're thinking, like, I need to do this, I need to do this. And as Dawson said, he goes, everybody varies at a certain point in this hunt, knowing you're going to be gone for 14 days. It it hits the person and realizes all I'm here to do is survive. 
And there's nothing that yeah. I can do to the outside world right now to, to help. I am just here to do wake up in the morning, look for a sheep, eat, make sure I don't hurt myself, find a good spot to sleep and, and rinse and repeat. And he goes, sure. what I, everybody says they've never sleep so good as what they do here because they don't have any of the stresses. And it's one of those things I yeah. love. I love hunts to where you get out and away and you don't have signal because it's one of those things leading up to it. There's like so much buildup or what you need to do. But once you're there, there's there's nothing you can do, right? You just live in the moment and relax. 100%. Yep. That's why I, I get a kick out of telling that. to. I just remember him looking. He goes, you're finally here. And I just like, I don't finally know. I, here. listen, we've been hiking pretty hard for two days. I feel like I've been here the whole time. But, a little respect. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is a question I always ask when people, when people get ready for a hunt. Like, and this is going to be completely different for you, especially one knowing it's going to be probably a longer shot, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. what it, it and I say this because every time I go out there, it doesn't matter which one, any, anybody that works at Gunworks, like you guys, they're all dialed in, right? Like you go to the range, sure. everybody's there. You guys are planking spray cans at a thousand yards. Like you just, I mean, just roll out of bed and do that a couple of times and get into the office. Right. So it's completely different than what I like to say for the rest of us. But like, what did you do for shooting prep leading to this? Um, You know, that's a good question. So, you know, a lot of it is, you know, equipment selection. What, what am I going to put in my kit that is going to increase my odds or help, you know, tip that in my favor the yep. most and, and caliber selection and, and the platform, you know, so for us, that's where it's like, okay, am I going to take a climber or a Magnus? Mm-hmm. And then inside of that, what, what caliber I've been a six, five fan for as long as I've been shooting them. Um, I like the, you know, the recoil, I can get back on target quicker. Now you could argue that 140 grain, that, that class of bullet can be a little light for maybe some of the bigger animals that mm-hmm. we chase in North America. But gosh, I'm just so comfortable when I shoot that gun. And so I bounce back and forth. You know, you go to some of these areas where you're not the biggest predator, like that Wyoming is one as well. You hunt up behind us, like we have grizzly bears. Yeah. Where we're at. And so so um, I, I wrestled with a seven millimeter 6.5, but I, I ultimately ended up deciding on this climber that I've had for years that just, it's, it's one of those guns that I just, I can hand it to anybody and I know without a doubt they're going to hit whatever they're pointing at, you know, 500 yards and in, yep. it's just, it's done. And that amount of confidence going into a hunt is, is really priceless. Um, it's, it's not always easy to get. So uh, yeah, I took that, that six, five PRC climber. And like you said, we have the, the luxury it's it's pretty nice where we live we have a lot of open country not to mention here at gunworks we have you know some of our facilities where we can shoot but um you know really checking zeros making sure my ammunition was performing day in and day out um and you don't have to shoot a lot to do this right you can shoot twice in the morning and and just see what happens is it, mm-hmm. is it repeating for it can i clean it and can i get the same point of impact and do and just run different tests we've got our you've been to the a Burlington range down there. We got a thousand yards yep. out there. So I would go down there a couple of nights after work or on a weekend and I would just, just cold bore. I would range the 672 yard target and dial it. And can I hit it? I mean, if you, if you go and shoot a box and a half and you start your zero and work yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you can ring those bullseyes. It, it's not very hard, but can I, can I get the gun out cold and in one shot with, with that wind, you know, can I break the clay pigeon? Yes or no. And, and that is the, it's a, it's a killer. It's a not, or it's not. And I did that a handful of times 
we've got our Sheep Mountain course now, which I don't think you have been out. No, I haven't yet, seen that one. It's just, it's just above the Buffalo Bill Reservoir there. It, it's beautiful, and we've got we did a we did a PRS or we we excuse me we hosted a a match uh, an NRL a hunter match this year, and so I got to go out and help um, RO some of the stages. And I don't shoot you know, competitively. I just uh, other hobbies, just just time. I, I think it's neat sport, and there's a lot. It's growing, but I just I haven't prioritized shooting in a bunch. But I went out and RO'd and helped run sandwiches around. So I got to watch this for two days straight, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And we had some steep uphill and nasty winds and shooting off uncomfortable shell, you know, straight downhill. And I thought, geez, this is my, you know, this is going to be my sheep hunt. Yep. Um, and so snuck back up there. That was early June. And I snuck back up there a handful of times. We left the targets up. And so you figure I'm up hanging off shell rock, shooting down straight down at 600 yards in a tricky wind i don't think you could you could just sit and diagram a more you know appropriate practice schedule for a sheep hunt and so i gotta i gotta do some of those things and i didn't shoot thousands of rounds but i did shoot a lot of you know dedicated methodical okay can i can i set up in that and in one shot accomplish what i'm trying to do so gotta gotta do a lot of that um wouldn't say i was perfect but uh i've Man, I, I got to the driving range per se as much as you can do before you got to literally just go out and prove it to yourself. Well, that is, I mean, just the the ability to be able to go and do that course like that. What, like, where you say you weren't perfect, what did you learn from it? Because there, there are always situations where you get set up in a shot to where it's nothing like you've practiced before. So, like, what, yeah. what, what did you learn? Like, what was the takeaway that you were there? And you shoot, and you're like, "Ooh, what was that?" And then, then you learned what it was, but you put that in the memory bank again. Yeah, you know what? I I think just uh, just the importance of having a very very keen understanding of of your equipment. Okay, so a lot of guys can sit at the bench, and we can put our gun on the sandbags, and we can shoot a target at 700 yards. Okay, mm-hmm. we can take a person that has never shot, and in four rounds, we can. And I'm not taking. I don't. I'm not saying that's not impressive, but to, to change to shooting an animal in an in a condition when we don't have the bench and we don't have all those things. What we have is a pack and a bipod and a rear bag. And maybe you can use the bipod. Maybe the terrain mm-hmm. is is in such that you can use it. But there's a good chance that it's not going to be. And I think you've been out in a hunt with a, with a person that that's new, that's new to the yep. sport and that target acquisition, and they. They can't get comfortable, and so you have to back the magnification out, and then you have to, you know, tweak bipod, and you have to get behind them, and you know, and show line up where they're hopefully roughly pointing. At. If if it can become muscle memory for you to not have to think to grab, oh, I actually can my chest harness for my bino is is an option for this, or my pack out front for that. And as I went and shot that sheep mountain course, you shoot down straight up, and then you go around up top, and then you shoot straight down. I never shot two shots. That was the same. I didn't get to just put my bipod out on the second notch and put a rear bag behind it. it trigger. I mean, I could have probably cleaned every station, you know, doing that was five, 600 yards. But when you get over the log or around the rock or on a 45 up the other way, I mean, you just have to be able to in, in seconds. And that's the neat thing about those, those NRL hunter drills is it's so hard to simulate you know, that once in a lifetime shot on a big buck or the tag you've been applying for or for 20 years or spent X amount of dollars on. It's just like the driving range in golf. I mean, the driving range is only so 
uh, appropriate in simulating what you're going to get out on the course. But you get a timer and you get a score and you get some competition. And then all of a sudden we can simulate a little stress and and some excitement that can play with your routine. And so I think going back to your question, just having the, the comfort and not having to think about what gear I had and how it could be used as a shooting platform was probably the best thing I learned that summer. In uh, it was just I didn't have to sit down and diagram it. It just it was just second nature. It just came together. Yep. And that's one you just the more you shoot to you you just get 100%. dialed in. Yep. So I just um, last let's see yeah last week yeah last week I got back from um, elk hunting in Nevada. I drew a two twenty one through a two twenty three elk mm. tag. So that means nice. probably the best early rifle season tag that there is in the in the state. Now this one I couldn't film. Sure. I couldn't film in the wilderness area because they weren't handing or yeah, and they weren't handing out film permits. So it cut us down. So we were just hunting BLM land, but still good enough, good enough tag. Um sure. and out there, and it was the the last night of the hunt. We'd we'd finally had cut a bull two days before, did the plan, you know, he finally got him to where he stepped out at a field edge. And we were set there and he stepped out with 10 minutes left to light. And it was like where he stepped out, it was just this this rise that just took me. I couldn't do it from the bipod. I couldn't do it laying down off the backpack. I couldn't do it standing off the backpack. So now you're like, yep. okay, well, 466 yards, and I look up, and, there, and we're right next to this pinion tree. I'm like, well, this is it. Go right to the tree. Yep. I mean, old school, like you were thinking, whitetail hunting here in Michigan, right from the tree branch. And I'm like... I, I can get, I'm solid enough. I can control my breathing off this. I can, I can make this shot. And it's just slowly got that heart rate down and squeezed away. And the, I mean, the bull went five, five steps and dropped down. Right. Awesome. And it was just awesome. one of those things just from being in the field and just knowing like, okay, you got the time, you got the time and you got to move, but have shot enough. Yeah. And that, like, I, I took the Nexus on that one. And I love the okay. I love the grip feel on that. It always like sure. just having that wider grip. I can't can't the gun. Like that's for me. Like I I I, yeah. it, yep. it, I instantly go to grab it, and my thumb isn't big enough to reach over, and I and my brain clicks and like got to move it back, slide it back, check the level, good to go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I like that. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So that was just one of those in the in the field in the field moments. So moving on uh, to your to your hunt here. Walk us through getting into the field, meeting Rob, going out. Who was your guide you had on this one? Um, let me let me back up two steps if you don't mind. Yeah. And 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 that is get you know because of the format of us and you know trying to produce content for our business and and that you know we're always hunting you know in pairs. You know we have a we have a spotter with us, and so and I'm very lucky that way. My my hunting career here at, at Gunworks has had me in the field with um you know a awesome awesome human beings and, and just great friends you know I, if it's not craig it's aaron you know i've been fortunate to hunt with mike a few times out, out in the field and so when you think about having that person with you and in this case i need to give aaron a hard time because you know i followed him on that on that sheep hunt and then he kind of faked a hamstring injury because it's also <laughs> got a got a little closer okay maybe it wasn't a hamstring injury it was a meniscus in his knee and he said hey man you, you know what i don't want to hold you back you need to go conquer the world you know and he put a he put a nice spin on it but he, he um, made you feel okay. he made you feel good about backing out though he, he pumped you yeah. up as he was sliding out 
Yeah, yeah. He's got a future in sales if this, you know, product development thing doesn't work out for him. But um, no, and and Craig. So obviously, Craig and I have hunted. You've seen. We've been around the world together a oh, number yeah. of times. Uh, best friend, um, just just an awesome human being. And so when I when we got that solidified, he's a busy guy. And when when it came together that okay, he's going to be able to be there by my side. And not okay, pushing the record button, great. That that's great. But but just being there, helping call the shot and do those things, you know, some moral support along the way. Like I, I knew I had the the odds skewed in my favor. As much as they can be on a hunt like this, but uh-huh. you know, got into camp, but not without any um, heartache. So I woke up about two. We're supposed to fly to Cody at seven. There's really only about two flights out of Cody these days. Delta has pulled out, so you got United that goes to uh, Denver, and then you split up from there. Well, I wake up about two o'clock, can't sleep, hear my phone ding, and I get the hey, your flight from Denver to Vancouver has been canceled. Don't have oh crew, no. Yeah, and then ten minutes later, it's uh, and your your Cody leg from Cody to Denver has been postponed so far that because if you can get into Denver, fine. There's other ways to get around. Denver's huge, right? That airport. But if you can't get out of Cody, it's the kiss of death because um, it just we're so small here. So that's at two o'clock in the morning. Now I I use the guys that you use, you know, for your travel booking there to book this and i'm so glad i did because instead of wait on hold with united for 100 hours i call um i call your guys and in two seconds we realized okay um uh, excuse me billings is actually booked as well but bozeman which is a three-hour drive actually has some pretty good flights you're gonna have a very tight turn in vancouver like probably too tight but at least if you can get to vancouver and you have to stay the night you can still get there the next morning. yep um, and so I get up, I get in the truck and I'm driving three hours to Bozeman, Montana, instead of the two miles to the, you know, the Cody airport. So that's kind of how my sheep hunt started. <laughs> I get, I get to Yukon, uh, we get to Whitehorse that night and the carousel's going and all the sheep hunters are there. You can tell, right? We all have our Kuyu jackets on, oh, yeah. you know, we're all so excited to go and everybody starts pulling their gear off and pulling their gear off. And there's less bags, and there's less bags, and Craig's got his camera gear, and the carousel. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and Garrett's bag is not on there, which is my gear bag. But it's like, okay, you know what? The guns come through. They, we all know they come up a different way. You know, they're going to come up the elevator off the cart, and the guy with TSA is going to bring them. Maybe because my bag was so big, it's on there. Out comes the guy. And there's 12 rifles on there, right? And a bunch of SKBs. And it's right. Okay, he takes his and he, she takes hers and off they go. And all of a sudden, that cart's empty. And oh. Garrett's rifle. And yeah, so I got the white horse without my hunting gear and without my rifle. And, I, you know, it, I had such a tight turn. I ran to Air North. Uh, I, you know, I sweet, I've been through Vancouver and those guys, boy, it takes a special skill to deal with some of those guys that, that think you're a bad guy with a rifle at the yeah. airport and I've developed it and I was just nice and, and played their game, but I had to run to air North and I did Craig, you know, held up the plane a little bit for me and I got on there, but I'm guessing it was just so tight or whatever, you know, the bags didn't make it. So, uh, obviously you get, you plan so hard. I mean, I've got photos. I laid all my gear out outside the office here, you know, for the article I was going to write and I've uh-huh. got all this stuff documented. And not one of it shows. Not one piece of it shows up. Oh. Now, yeah. Fast forward to your guy Rob. I mean, super cool. Meet him at the hotel. Um, 
he says, hey, look, Garrett, I've got a Camp 6.5. If the bags can't make it, obviously we're not giving up hope, but if the yep. bags can't make it, I've got a Camp 6.5. You can borrow my boots and his pants and this and that, <laughs> which was an awesome gesture. Now, yep. you still, you prepare for years with your own custom gear and your boots and this. You don't want to use somebody else's, but, man, they hustled and made a plan. Yep. Um, I won't drag this story out too much. Luckily, right as I'm getting on the little puddle jumper to get into camp, one of the guides says, hey, the airport just called. Your bags are coming in tonight. Luckily, one of the other sheep hunters was delayed. We will, uh, when I go to pick him up, I'll grab your stuff and we'll fly it in tomorrow. So you're the team up there at UConn Pete, man. They, they just moved heaven and earth and got me my gear into camp before we got on horses and went up. the. So it was, uh, you know, the nerves started early there. I'm a believer in using the best, and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are, the best on the market. If you want to sharpen your skills and ability, make sure to check out their long-range university. From the rifle build to the perfect shot, Gunworks is your partner in the pursuit of long-range perfection, 1,000 yards out of the box. Worldwide Trophy Adventures is your ultimate outdoor connection. We all know that good hunting ground and great outfitters is becoming increasingly difficult to find. The only way to ensure access to the best area and outfitters is to spend a lot of time, money, and effort to research these destinations. Worldwide Trophy Adventures does this legwork for you at no charge. By booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a great location with a reputable outfitter that we have certified and endorsed. So if you're looking to book the trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-755-8247 or check out their website at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. I travel all over the world and into some of the most remote places known. And for all of my adventure trip insurance, it is a must that I use Global Rescue to take care of me no matter where I am. When you book a trip with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, be sure to ask about Global Rescue Trip Insurance. They will be there when it matters the most. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, nothing nothing like that to kick off the kick off the hunt. Right. So when you uh when when you flew out of Burwash, um, do you remember the name or which which camp did you go to there? I did. We went to uh Dog Pack. Okay, okay. And who'd you have as your guide? Quinn okay. and Matt. Um and when we rolled up, so we you land the plane on that uh, on that big lake and you taxi around. And you, and when you start pulling in and I, I was riding shotgun, Craig was in the back filming and you see the five horses there on the side. Um, and I mean, Quinn looks young, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> nails, but this looks young and we open the door and he's got some country music playing like old country music, right? Like the good stuff uh-huh. on his little bow speaker hanging from the tree. They must've been there for, you know, 30, 40 minutes waiting for us. And when we opened that door and we heard some prime country playing there, Craig and I both looked at each other. All right, we got. I mean, we were picked. I mean, you know, we got it dialed in. Yep, it was cool. And those boys, boy, did they hustle for us! I've hunted in a lot of camps in a lot of different places, and I'm not just saying this. I could find something else to talk about on uh-huh. the podcast. But Quinn and Matt worked their guts out for us, 
They were shoeing horses in the rain. And we, we, that first night, we sit around the fire and find out that Quinn's half my age. And I'm not that old. I'm just a little older than you. That Quinn is literally half my age. Mm-hmm. And this kid is, is really, I mean, like you said, your goal on your hunt is, is survival. And I couldn't agree more. It is, okay, let's not have the horses flip down the big ravine into the river. Let, did we, did we bring enough canisters of fuel so that we can feed ourselves, you know, 10 miles up, up the trail here? I mean, there's just so many little, little things that could ruin a hunt if they weren't executed with perfection. And to have a young 21 year old, uh, person in charge of that, like, I was, it was so awesome, man. He, just, uh-huh. we had so much fun. He worked his guts out for us. And that's all you can ask, right? I mean, he doesn't get to control weather. He doesn't get to control animals. Yep. But the guides do get to control a lot of the other things. And he did awesome. Awesome. So walk, walk us walk us through the hunt now. Yeah. So we, uh, Rob had a good feeling. There was a, a, some, some, seeing some sheep in the area. They hadn't hunted this area for a couple of years, but seeing a lot of bodies up there. And the goal was get the horses up the, up the bottom of this drainage. And then we're going to go up to a couple peaks and we're going to check off and find out, you know, what we have, you know, for legal rams. So it wasn't a terribly long, um, high, uh, uh, horse ride in about five hours in set up a cool little spike camp. We get in that camp that first night and we we're glassing way up the top of this hill. And, and Quinn says, we're, do, we're looking way up there. And Quinn says, hey, in the morning, I think we'll run up to the top there and just see if there's anything on the backside. And he said the word run, like we'll <laughs> run up to the top. There. Like we were going to jump in the Polaris, right, and just rip around the backside. And I kind of thought he was kidding at first um, to just see, you know. And, you know, we got back to dinner, and sure enough, he says, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll walk from here. We'll go right up the creek. And it was, you know, probably not quite 3K, you know, straight, you know, up to the top of this peak and we ran it that next morning we sure enough we went right up the bottom up to the top looked off the back to see if we could see some sheep that were hopefully in that area and lo and behold you know kind of a uh, ruining the plot a little here he spots four sheep way out into the distance which ultimately ended up the four sheep we we come back around to chase at one point so it was a worthy hike but that kid was a machine i mean just to, to run up 3,000 feet and then back down to the bottom, you know, in a, in a day that was, I knew once that was on, I was like, okay, this is, we're going to go earn it here for the next, you know, eight or 10 days. Um, we, uh, and he had a, he just had a real methodic plan and say, Hey, we're going to, if these guys aren't there, then we're going to go up to the peak behind us. And we're going to try that. If those guys aren't there, we're going to go to the next peak and try them. So, you know, when he didn't see a, a, a legal Ram right there, we moved camp the next day, uh, we put camp. We left horses at the bottom. We left Matt at the bottom with the horses, and Craig and Quinn and I put camp on our back. We took like I think eight or nine days worth of food with us. We hiked up halfway up that mountainside there, found a nice place to make camp. We left the camp and then went to the top to kind of day hunt and, and glass around. Didn't see any sheep up there that that day, so we come down and put camp on our back again, and we kind of just did that for about four or five days of just kind of just keep moving inching down the range a little bit. Uh, sooner or later, we were going to just run out of real estate. And that was the goal was to just, just carve up this whole uh, mountain and, and find where these sheep were. There was a, there was a point, you know, every hunt has it, you know, you've been on enough of these where you kind of this pivotal point where the hunt goes one of two ways, you know, and we don't get to know the outcome of both ways. 
we just know that it, it probably would have been different had we gone taken a left or right at the yep. fork in the road. And for us, it was, we glass, uh, 12 sheep were about day four or five in, which still, we got a lot, we got a lot of time in front of us, but the way things move in the Yukon, you don't get just get in your truck and then you just cruise around. I mean, to pick up camp and move, you're, you're talking days and day and a half at a time to do this. And so you can burn through, you know, three and four days very quickly. But we, we're looking at, I think it's eight or nine sheep. And there's, there's one that's, yeah, you know, the, the mirage uh-huh. is squinting hard and you're saying, well, maybe we could get a little closer, but none of our gut feels are just, okay, it, it, it's a legal ran. And I can tell Quinn's like, as, as we go checking off these sheep, everyone that's not legal is one less opportunity for, for a legal ram, right? And we've got this massive, um, we're at the peak and you look off to our, I guess that would be our, our east. And, and he picks up a couple sheep on this, this far hill and he figures a few that we'd seen the day before had bailed off the one side and gone all the way. You know, it was, it was a long way. It's probably three quarters of a mile on the valley floor and then back up another 3000 feet. So, you know, with good optics, you can see across there, but in terms of just bailing off and running over there, it's a, it's a day and a half, yeah. maybe a two day, two, two day investment. And we pick up some sheep over there and then there's a couple more and then there's a couple more. They start coming over the top and I could tell it wasn't panic by any means, but I could just tell that Quinn's starting to die. Okay. If we go do this, we probably don't have time to do anything else. If I make the wrong call, I don't have time to go look anywhere else. And you, and you watch that. And that's what, that's the, these guides job. It's, I mean, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and, and I watched that unfold, you know, I, He's got a lot of credentials. He's killed more bighorn sheep than um, him and his dad, you know, being in Alberta, BC. And so you just, you, you gain a ton of re- respect, doesn't matter age, right, of, of someone's credentials when they've gone and done some of those things and put in the time. But we're looking at these sheep over there and he checks off everyone, but he's still got kind of this hankering to bomb down there and go on the other side and, and take a peek. Uh-huh. And I said, Quinn, I said, man, look, if we do this, and this is maybe the pessimistic Garrett or the, the whatever, I said, Quinn, if we do this, I think that's it. Like, if you just look at the time, we don't have time to, you know, because we plot out, okay, we'll get to the bottom, we'll set up camp, and then we'll go up to the top and we'll hunt around. But it just, the days weren't adding up to get back and get out of here. You know, they have sheep hunters behind us. It's not like, you know, in some species, you can just pack on an extra four days or whatever. Yep. That's not the case. You know, you got your hunt, you got to get on the plane and you got to get out of there. And he said, we, we, we kept looking for another couple hours. And he, at one point he was almost ready to just bail off and start over there. I said, Quinn, but let's just, let's, let's look really hard. I said, what, how confident are you that there's a legal ram in there? I said, Garrett, I'm actually 90% sure that none of them are legal. There's, a, there's the one I didn't get a look at and he was decent and he went over quick and this and that. I said, look, Quinn, if there's a 90% chance that they're not legal, like odds and, and are a, a thing I look at all the time. Like those aren't good. And that, that's, those aren't good enough odds. Like let's, let's keep pressing and we're going to just spend everything we have in the tank. Let's ditch this. Let's just go, let's go keep looking. He calls back to Rob and, and gets some Intel and, and they make a plan together that says, Hey, you know what? Those four sheep that we had seen the first day that kind of moved off closer to the river, you guys should really go, um, 
take a look at those. Now, mind you, the sheep were back to the north, and we'd been traversing to the south. So now we've created this, you know, big day and a half chasm <laughs> yep. that we have to go back, get horses, repack up, and it felt like just a bit of a hail mary, you know, like it, and that maybe it was going to be our last. Okay, if these sheep weren't legal, then that was it. Yeah, that was we're going to go check these four. We're going to go find out. We Quinn had never been there. It's one thing if you been into the basin so you know what cut to take and so you don't get cliffed out or timbered out or anything he had none of that information it was look hard at the onyx map that night and well this looks like this and so we'll try this and we'll try that hopefully there's water for the horses you know so when i say hail mary there was a couple of those things where it was going to be getting an education along the way but needless to say we all thought it was a good plan we uh, pack up and we cruise around there and we we bushwhack I mean, we did some stuff that was not in the brochure. You know, there was some straight up Jim Craig man from Snowy River um, stuff going on. And and it was great, right? Like, I, I, I was literally probably 30 seconds from telling Quinn, hey, look, man, you know, your horses, uh, our lives are like, it's just, you know, it, it's not worth it. It's not in the cards. But I mean, he, he, that man, he would not take no. He traversed up and down and he found the one place where we could get the horses through. We don't put anybody in danger, you know, and we, I mean, it was just perfect, man. It was like, it was like it was meant to be. There was tons of adversity getting up to this point, but uh, you talk about somebody that would, and this wasn't Quinn sheep tag. I mean, he's there doing the best he can. Like you would have thought it was his tag, the way he put it, the effort he put in and the hustle. And uh, anyway, got us up to the basin, you know, just behind where we could set up camp. Horses had water. And we were going to camp there that night. We get in about four o'clock. We didn't have time to go, you know, bust over the top. We were going to go the next morning. So as far as timeline goes, we have about three days left at this point. And we're going to pop up over the top and the sheep are either going to be there. They can't push any farther because of the big, the, the big rivers there. And it's just a massive cliff. And so they're either going to be there or they've, you know, buggered off for good. Uh-huh. So um, we get a really good night's sleep and it's only like a, we put we get up seven o'clock the next morning. We put camps on our back. We leave Matt with the horses, and we cruise up nine o'clock. We get on this nice little ridge, and I mean, you know, these doll sheep. You don't even need binoculars to see them half the time. It seems like they just glow, right? And we no more got over the top, and there's three dots just glowing at about two thousand yards. So we spotted those those sheep at um, about nine thirty that morning, and got the glass on them. And he he's like, hey, one looks good. I need a better look. We kind of moved back and forth a little bit. And about 10 o'clock, he said, Garrett, I, I think that's a legal ram, man. He said, I'm a little worried because there's only three now instead of four. But, but nonetheless, I think that's our sheep. And it's only 2,000 yards across, okay? So, okay. which is a long way. Obviously, we'd never shoot that distance. But, but it's like, that's not that far away in terms of sheep country. Um, and I'm looking to the left, and there's a nice little gradual kind of descent. You could hook around behind them. It looked like probably maybe a two and a half, three hour type type uh, trek if I was just looking at it. And but the problem was the wind was coming from that direction and it was howling, probably twenty five mile an hour. And Quinn says, "All right, good news, bad news, good news. They're in a really good spot. Bad news, we can't go the direction we you know we thought we wanted all wanted to go." He said, "We got to go down to the right. And if you just look, and it was the most soul crushing, you know, shell." peak and i've got a i've got a little graph on my computer here um i I did an onyx kind of simulation of what it was 
we ended up hiking six and a half miles from from where we found him down around to get behind him. Oh. It was 14 hours later before I deployed my bipod and got set up on that sheet. Oh, it was four. You know, that stays late. So late. I think sunset up there, 11 o'clock at night or whatever, but I didn't pull the trigger till you know, nine thirty PM. And we saw that sheet, you know, at, at nine thirty in the morning. And I was so gassed and I was so tired and I was mentally so spent uh-huh. when I was getting ready to pull that trigger. And it was a 30 mile an hour wind. We got when we got to the last probably three quarter mile, and I could tell we were coming around. Um, I looked over at Craig, and we've got our you know our trekking poles out, and we look like we just you know just had it right. And I said, Craig, man, I said this this is it. Like we're either going to do it or not. We don't have another chance. And he said, Hey, look, man, you've got the nicest equipment. You've trained with the best people that there is. You've done this. He's like, just get up there and go make a good shot. And then he just kept hiking, <laughs> and I'm like. Hey, I was actually looking for just a little more consolation, you know, just a little more, you know, attaboy or a little pat on the back. And it was just like, hey, you know, quit being a wuss and get up there and make a shot. I'm tired. You know, that's, that's pretty- essentially what he said. And, and you know what? And it, and it was the honest truth. And I got to think about it for the next, you know, 30, 40 minutes as we snuck around the corner there. It's like, yeah, I, this is, I've packed my parachute as much as I can. I got to just jump at this point. There's nothing else we can do. Um, you know, in those last, 200 yards we come around the corner and there's this book caribou between <laughs> us and the sheep where this you know and he's just on this side and if he bails off away from us he's gonna run right down into the sheep and so Aww. quinn's freaking out one because it's the biggest caribou a he's ever seen on the hook he's like craig get your camera film this thing i need to show yeah. <laughs> there's a 35 mile wind, and then the other part is like oh do not go away from us do not go away yeah from you know it's gonna bugger these things and how fitting would that be after what we've endured to get to that point. I mean, Quinn hasn't seen a caribou up there and who knows how in that area. Right. And of course it's going to be right next to where we're going to hunt. Yeah. But he, he comes our way. We sneak around over the top. You know, these things are feeding. Now I did feel like I was on a bit of an Island and that's, it's no knock on, on, on Quinn and Craig, but that wind was howling so hard. I had to we're running those Revic binos. Uh-huh. And I'm able to put in like what we call a vector wind. So there's base wind and vector wind. And vector wind, I can say it's got a two o'clock direction at this speed. And I had out my wind meter and I was getting 25 mile an hour gut. So I put that into the, while Quinn was just double checking that everything was legal and that I'm behind him and I'm just grabbing a couple ranges and I'm doing, uh, I'm getting my wind calculation so that when I sneak over, I'm ready. And we get over and the way Craig and Quinn have to set up behind me with that wind, like I, you can't yell right? It, I mean, the sheep are right there, 400 something yards. Yeah. And so, and the way I had to get to get on my shooting platform, it's like, I was there taking my own range and I was going to call my own impact hit or miss. And so all of a sudden this little bit of panic, I mean, a 400 yard shot, I was doing that. No problem. But now all of a sudden we have this <laughs> nasty wind. It's on the animal of a lifetime. We know what doll sheep cost nowadays, like to replace yep. the hunt. I wasn't going on this hunt anytime soon again. And so all of a sudden that panic is just, just starts to, just starts to creep in. And I, you know what? I, I got very steady and I'm not embarrassed to admit I break that shot and I miss and I miss and I'm like, okay, okay. I don't have person feeding me that, Hey, you know, minute high minute, this whatever, make this correction. And, but I had a summer's worth of shooting and said, Garrett, you know, 
completely. And I had actually checked one time during the hunt after you've been on, you know, horses this and up and down these rocks. We were, we knew their sheep weren't in this area. So I got out and shot at 650 yards. Yep. And just hit right where it was going to be just a, a check in the middle. And I said, Garrett, you know what this gun does. Just go repeat exactly what you need to do. Anyway, sheep, you know, jog off a little bit. I rearrange this and that. Anyway, get a shot in him. But I, I don't, because of the wind and these guys, they didn't call an impact. So they didn't, the, this, this sheep starts trotting towards the, the, the crest. And, and I, I felt like in my head, I felt like I saw that sheep just kind of like, like he got punched in the stomach, kind of like the legs tighten up. And I saw that in my head, but he's not bleeding. And I, so I re-rack and I'm ranging, he's getting to the peak. And like, literally, I feel like, okay, you know, it's like the clock's going out on a losing score. Like, oh, this, this just, my hunt just ended and it's uh-huh. not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, the le- the legs start getting wobbly. And I'm like, okay, what I thought I saw is what I saw. And it, you know, in the lungs and it took him, you know, 15 feet or whatever to kind of, to kind of fill up and he backpedaled and, and tipped over. And I can't, you know, explain to you just that, I mean, you've been in in a hundred different times, but just that, that feeling oh. from what feels like despair and lows of lows to highs of highs, you know, you haven't eaten all day, yep. seven miles in and just the, again, the emotional investment that's in there and oh it was uh it was something else man it was it's probably the bigger one of the bigger accomplishments and again you know horn size i mean just just the being able to 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 hang in there and go put that together that was uh you know probably one of the neater things i've done in a long time so that's awesome what was it like finally walking up on him oh man it's it's hard to explain it was it was real surreal to be there with craig uh, Craig had a bum knee, like he tweaked his knee, like under no circumstance should Craig have been up there with me. You know, he would go down to the Creek each night and soak his knee in the, and get, and it, it was swollen up. It looked like a softball was in his pants right there. I mean, he was such a trooper. So for him to be there, I mean, he got emotional. I mean, Quinn gave me the biggest hug. You could just tell, like he was, you could tell that he was like, Oh frick, man, I didn't know if that thing was yeah. going to come together or not, you know? And, and for those, and it wasn't their tag. Those guys, their name's not on the tag. That chief's not going on their wall. Um, but to see them treat it like that and give it everything they have, boy, it was, you know, when I say, I mean, the, the sheet photo I shared with most people have me and Craig in it. I mean, that's a, that is a, it's a team know, effort. It's a joint effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was, it was pretty awesome. You know, we got to him at a le- 10, 10 something ish, you know, by the time you, you kind of pick up a couple things, get down there, 10 something ish. I think we got done caping. I mean, we got right to it. We had Craig cook us a, a mountain house there because we we're just gas while we jumped into, you know, the caping done by 1130 ish. We didn't get in to climb into bed till about 130. We just went down to the bottom of the ravine there and, and set up camp. But, but laying, putting my head on the pillow that night was just one of the biggest reliefs I've had, you know, not only in the field, but just, whoa, it was, uh, it was pretty surreal. That's awesome. That's, that's what I love about mountain hunting and sheep hunting is stories just like that for when it, when it comes together like that, you'll remember that until you, yeah. you don't have any more memories left. Like that'll, that'll be right that. there. I believe that. So now that you, now that you've done it and this sounds like a, a, a sheep hunt of all sheep hunts, what would you say to somebody that is preparing for a sheep hunt? Well, oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, 
I would say I first had the the glimmer of this when I was on Aaron's hunt. And I can remember right where I was. I could take you right to this point. We're walking up this shell. Aaron's in front of me. I've got the camera. And we're on that stuff where you take a step and you lose three quarters of the step. You just don't gain any traction. And again, we had just been, you know, the puddle jumper and then 12 hours of the horses. And there's such a, a time investment, B, financial investment. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, now Aaron's benefited from shooting this equipment a ton, but but not everybody not everybody has a thousand yard range in their backyard mm-hmm. and, and a you know an army of guns to choose from and equipment to play with. And it became much more apparent on mine that equipment selection, I, I, I was able to cross paths, you know, as you go into those sheep hunts and you get the, you know, you white horse is kind of a choke point. So there's people sheep hunting everywhere up there. And it's that time of year, you meet 15 different sheep hunters and you start talking about some of the things they're doing. One gentleman had about a 12 to 13 pound rifle, Ooh. A 12 to 13 pound rifle. Ooh. And I thought, was he in shape? Listen, Cause you can look at somebody. He was. Oh, he was. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, 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 he was in shape, but I felt like, I felt like he left four or five pounds on the table of what he, you know, other equipment he could have put on there or what would that extra five pounds keep him from accomplishing? You know, how much less ground could he or she cover, yep. you know, by, by having that. And I'll like, ah, just dove enough and just do it. But, but when I talk about equipment selection, I mean, it's the round, it's the platform, it's how you interact with it. Sure. We, we can all shoot a 13 pound rifle really well, but, can we carry it? You know, the, and we say in rifle sales is this portability and shootability trade-off. And the less portable the gun is, typically, the more shootable it is. And the inverse is true. And so there's this real sweet spot in how light we will make a gun. Mm-hmm. We can make guns lighter than we make them. And I'm people, why don't you make a lighter gun? Well, because you can't shoot it. And the goal isn't to pull the trigger on a gun. The goal is to make you know, the shot of a lifetime when it counts and maybe a follow-up. Like in my case, I missed the first one, regrouped, follow-up. Yep. I, you know, being able to call my shot and being able to see that confidence I had in my mind knowing I actually, I think I saw what I, what I saw. If, If the gun knocks you off, if it's too light, if it's four and a half pounds, you don't get to see any of that unfold. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, this real sweet spot of, of, of the perfect balance of a rifle system to have. And then that quickly parlays into, you know, what, what are we using for a bipod? Can we double up and can our tripod be used as a shooting? Like I talked about, I've got a, we've got a, like an Arca rail, little half mini Arca on the bottom of my climber stock. So I can deploy the legs of my tripod that I use to glass off of. And I can shoot off that if I would have needed to kind of hang over some, some edge and shoot straight downhill. Mm-hmm. And so thinking back to, I got to run basically our level one through three, two or three times this summer, the equivalent of that preparing for this hunt. And I realize that's not feasible for everyone. And this isn't a plug of every sheep hunter needs to come to a, a gunworks class. But I will say without a doubt, every sheep hunter needs to go prepare, simulate some sort of stressful shooting environment a number of times. And you can cram that into a, a couple day class. There's a lot of good classes in yep. the country. Um, you know, we've been doing it for a while. You've been through our class a few times. Uh, you can get some, some close. I'm not gonna say you can achieve what I felt in that moment, but you can get as close as you can without having a, 
you know, $35,000 target, you know, standing in front of you. And I would just tell every, everybody that's going to go on that sheep hunt, okay, there's the physical exercise. Yes, we, we know what that looks like. But you get to that range, if you can't shoot 500 yards, boy, I would, I'm not saying you don't go on a sheep hunt. That's not what I'm saying. But if you can feel like you can break the clay pigeon every time at 100 yards, which I honestly felt like I could do, like I feel like, you know, you're set up for success. Yeah. Now, and this is this is one I've talked about numerous times on my podcast and on, on TV and any, basically anybody that'll listen. When there, there are certain hunts that you book, you have to put yourself in the, in the best case of success. So what does that sure. mean? Like, let's, let's break down a, a sheep hunt or a mountain goat hunt or something that's, that's going to be physical. You know, you've got to have everything that you have for the week is on your back, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're packing it all. You know, it's going to be a long hunt. It's not just a couple days. So you're not staring at a couple days. I got to fight through and do this. It's going to be a long hunt. So I got to be physically fit. You got to make sure you've got good glass, right? Good glass saves you hikes that you don't need to go on or proves that you do need to go on it. So if you don't have good glass and you can't, you can't see from a distance, you, you find yourself hiking to areas that you don't need to, which is going to burn you out. You got to have a rifle that can shoot. And what I, what I mean by that is not like, I love to be able to have confidence in, in my rifle that I shoot, that I know I can shoot 800 or 900 yards in the field. What that means is, okay, so I've got a 450 yard shot. I feel so much more confident than that, knowing that I can do it at 900, but 450, it just seems everything's a little bit bigger. Everything's a little bit, yep, yep. Everything's a little bit more confident. And, and how we sell this one in the office is if you're going to invest and go on a $35,000 bill sheep hunt, make sure that you have a rifle and optics that match what you want to do when you go to the field. Don't go there with a $250 pair of binos and a rifle yep. that can only shoot 250 to 300 yards. You're, you're leaving yep. so much on the table for, for what that experience and it lowers your success down so much. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. hundred percent. That's crazy. So on this, like on a difficulty scale, how would you rate this on one to 10? You know, that's a great question. I I think, let me answer it two ways. For Garrett Wall, it was a 10. It was was a 10 and a half. It was was, was physically a a test. It was mentally one of the bigger tests I've had. Um, So it was as hard as I've been pushed in the field, I think, ever. But when you factor we're sheep hunting, I, that's a sheep hunt. You know, when you hear yep. Rob talk and you get back and you and you see those guys sitting around and you hear what everybody else went through, that's what a sheep hunt is. And so I don't think my sheep hunt was any harder or less hard than, than the next guys. Like, that's what you're signing up for when I think that's what makes them so special. Mm-hmm. If you could just get up and you could glass them from camp. And you just, all you have to do is put lunch on your back and you just sneak around the corner, you know, and you tip them over and then the horses come and pull them out for you. Like if that's what you did, this, this sheet, this would not be such an epic experience. And so as I've thought about it since, I think it was just a sheep hunt. I don't think it was any harder than the next guys. But in terms of, you know, I, I haven't done a lot of these, you know, intense 14 day mountain hunts. It was, 
it was, and I, I think Craig and I, as we left, we said, okay, well, I think we can, we bought that t-shirt. I don't know if we need to get, <laughs> buy, buy another one, you know, but then the, the time comes back and you're, you're, you get some feeling back in your feet and knees and back. And then all of a sudden it's like, gosh, when are we going to do that again? Or how are we going to do that again? How can we, we push ourselves? You know, I watched, you know, I watched since we started doing business with you, you know, eight or 10 years ago. I mean, you do this multiple times a year and it's and it's just so i now i have just caught a small glimpse of you know what some of those are a trophy photo never tells the story sure it's a beautiful sheep and it's a beautiful this but it just doesn't <laughs> tell the story of of what went on i don't know how many times i've got and, and it's different stages right so like you complete the hunt you're so like so happy right like if, if it's a sure. successful hunt, everything came together. You just, you feel elated. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you're like, man, I'm semi-crazy. Why would, why would I pay to go and do this? this is, I know. It. This is idiotic. I could be, I could be yeah. at my house in the, on a couch. I could be watching football games. I could be, I could be on so many different other types of hunts to where I don't have to do that. And that lasts for just a short period of time. And it's like, okay, yeah. the the legs start to feel a little bit better a couple of weeks down the road. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I can't wait to do that again. Because all the bad yeah. stuff that you just did for two weeks is completely gone now. Now you just remember the good yeah. stuff. And that's why you see yeah. the sheep hunters. I know you guys deal with a ton of them um, just with the rifle sales that you guys do. That's why you see those guys like they're a different breed. Those guys that go on they one are. or two sheep hunts a year, every year. And just they they are a different breed of hunter. They are, and I, I have this newfound respect for it because money buys a lot of things in life. It, mm -hmm. it really does. We know that, but it doesn't. It doesn't always buy, you know, success on on the sheep mount on, on the mountain, you know. And and it it takes a, a mental fortitude, like you said. It's a different human being that is able to do that. And I've now just I've got such a respect for these guys. Of you know, I the, when the sheep photos started coming in after my hunt. Before it was a beautiful sheep and a beautiful backdrop. Now it's okay. What's the story? I yep. see that you punched your tag. What's the story? Because there's a story that is every bit as long and impressive and, and as many turns as mine had. And it's just it's neat that uh, the people go in and do it day in and day out. So. Yep, and that's when I, I'll do it until I can't do it anymore, just because of the. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like in life, what what pushes you? Right. Like how many things yep. in life yep. truly, truly push you. And when you get out there on a mountain, man, you got to push yourself. Yep. Like that's when you Absolutely. just, you just got to go and do it. And it's that drive. And like, I feel after hunts, I come back, I'm, I'm more driven in, in daily life too. like after those things. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So when can we expect to see this film come out? Gosh, you know what? I need to get with the crew, Randy and those guys. Uh, we got a lot of awesome assets. You know, I did a, I worked with your team on doing some blog stuff. So we did some written content that I think you guys have been pushing around a little bit. And, and, and Craig did an awesome job with some stills. Um, I, I owe you that. I'll follow up on when the, uh, the video is going to be ready, but I'll make sure, you know, you're one of the first, you and your team, to uh, take a look at it because uh, I couldn't have done it without you and your team. So pretty awesome. Man. Well, good. Then I'm going to look at it and I'm going to hit you with something like, man, that didn't look very tough. <laughs> well you know, you know we had to make this interesting we're trying to you know i wanted to be i'm shooting to be one of your most interesting guests this year so like we uh that's another yeah. one usually by the time you watch the episode after it edits you're like man 
where did all the heart stuff <laughs> go? Well, yeah, you're like, worried about. well, Greg probably had that camera on his back during that. Like you, and you can't oh. show a 14 hour hike, right? Like you, yeah, you, exactly. you, you can't show what that is as you're like, we're going to go do right. it. And think yeah, about no, for, that's a thirty second. That's a thirty second clip of somebody stepping on some boulders that are wobbly, yeah. and, and it tries to portray it that way. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening, think about that. Say the average workday is eight hours, right? You almost walk for double of that just to get around to have a once in a lifetime shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. just that's insane. We do. Oh, it's awesome though. Love it. Well, perfect. Thanks for your time today. I love hearing hearing sheep hunts break down like that and all the stories and, and, and everything. And the best part of what I picked up after that is after all that, you got back and then you listened to the guides and you're like, I think that was just what everybody considers a normal sheep hunt. Because all the guides there, they do that multiple times a year. That's, that's why wow. when you walk into sheep camp, most of those guys are in their 20s. Yeah, it's a young man's game. Yeah, it's it? a young, very I've only had, let's see, Dawson was almost 40. I've only had in camp one time I've walked in and seen a 40-year-old guide. And he wow. was just one that was only doing one or two hunts. He wasn't there to do the whole season. Um, sure. Most of it's 20 just because, one, it's time, right? Like all those guys in the Yukon, they go up there in July clearing trails, yeah. getting horses in. They don't go out till the end of the season. A lot of those guys stay around for the moose hunts, which and yeah. it's funny to hear those guys talk. They don't like the moose hunts as much as they like the sheep hunts because, I mean, the problem with the moose is once that moose hits the ground, it's like that's when the real work starts. It's, <laughs> that's a lot of work. The yeah. whole fun's glassing, calling them in and, and doing that. But, right. man, once you walk up to it, you look down and you're like, yikes. What did you uh, just do? Now we got to get all this yeah. stuff out of here. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, cool. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Mark. Good to hear from you, sir. Yep. Looking forward to catching up later on. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.